you and good morning. Uh, encouragement is so necessary because I like rethinking worship. Wasn't worship God's idea? Such a daunting task to even take this on. Uh, but in some ways, I kind of feel like I have been thinking about this for the longest time. Because um, a couple of years ago, 23rd June 2019, I wrote this article in our church bulletin front page and um, that was the time we used to still write those things and I kind of asked that question what is worship is it that um, Sunday service the time between like 9 and 11 in GFC's context is it an all of life thing that some people propose as well is it just the singing and praying part of the service what, what is worship and it, in some ways it's all of the above earlier this year oops Earlier this year, I also had the pleasure and privilege of preaching this passage in Luke. And in that, I also kind of grappled with the idea of what is worship. Because there's a verse in there that talks about if these keep silent, the stones will cry out. Uh, and there's this great song that said, Don't, I'm not going to let a stone out-praise me. And... and, and um, one of the things that I was suggesting in that is all of creation worships, the mountains worships, the heavens, the stars worship. And the question might be asked, how do mountains worship? How do stars worship? And the answer is by being mountains and by being stars to display the glory of their created nature that God had designed and intended. And if stars worship by being stars and mountains worship by being mountains, how do humans worship? By being fully human in all that we do. And there's that whole life idea coming back in. So there is a part of the expressiveness of our worship like we might do on a Sunday morning, but there is a rest of life kind of worship too because that's everything that we do to be part of being fully human. And then the challenge, how do we, what do we make of this Sunday morning slot versus the rest of life? And in this Sunday morning slot, when we gather for this worship hour, does it so inspire us that we can continue our rest of life worship? And that was kind of the thought that I had there. So I'm thankful in some ways to have this morning to almost rethink with us what exactly is worship? How do we understand it? Do we still wrestle with those questions, confusions, doubts? Is it this? Is it that? How does it all play out? And then if all of life is a worship, why do we gather here? Is there something different? And of course, Pastor John talked about different norms and constraints that we have. I love the humming, by the way, uh, to, to, to express our part of the worship service that we can't vocally do right now. But what's different with the pandemic? What do we do about it? And I really wanted to engage in a conversation to understand what we think of it so that we can think together because I really don't feel qualified to give any kind of definitive answer. But I'm sure as we engage together, 
We would sharpen each other's thinking, understanding, and figure out what might work for us here in GEFC. So, a few weeks ago, I did invite us to do a survey on your views on worship, and thank you for those who responded. I had 27 in the end, and um, it was an amazing mix of almost exactly half male, half female. Uh, a good spread of ages, I believe 20s all the way to 70s, which is, wow, that's the range that we have. Although a majority, two groups, 30s and 50s, were the largest groups of answers that I got. And number of years as a believer, there's some over 50 years as a believer. May I ask, and who's over 50 years as a believer? Can just wave? <laughs> yeah, all over there. I think we should honor them. <laughs> and that's tr truly a life of faithfulness and testifies something of the greatness of God. And in that sense, gives us a sense of what worship is as well, isn't it? When worship kind of shows the greatness of who God is. But my first question on that survey is, what or how would you define Christian worship? And here are some of your answers. Somebody said this, it's a life that we live that honors God and that's a loving testimony. It's above and beyond the declaration, and I assume that to mean the words that we say and sing. Yeah, the declaration that we sing through praise and worship. So it's life, not just words. I love that. Somebody else said this, an adoration unto God, connecting with God, praising and giving thanks to Him. I love that idea of connecting. Another, a response in posture and expression of a Christian to God, to who God is and what He has done. That includes the listening, remembering, praising, thinking, surrendering, obeying. Wow, you guys are so good. Such wonderful answers. Glorifying God in words, in songs, in actions, in thoughts. The inward and outward expression of love and adoration towards God in response to His love for us. And again, there is something, it's, it's, it's hard to really pin down, isn't it? Because... Some people say it's a response of the heart, the inner expression, but then it must also be outside. If it's just outside alone, it's without the inside reality, it's not real. But if it's just, it cannot just stay inside, there is a both and kind of idea there. Reminds me of Psalm 24, it's who may ascend the mountains of the Lord, those who have clean hands and a pure heart. There's always this both aspect of it. And these are such wonderful ideas and thoughts of what Christian worship really is about. So how do I add value to this? And how do I help maybe concretize our thinking? Here is perhaps just an idea for you to think about. Connect and reflect. It's an idea of worship that I've been playing with. The point is, the definition of creation is worship. All creation worships, whether nature, inanimate objects, or living creatures, we all worship. It's not unique to human beings. And when we see a glimpse of the divine in nature, 
it often creates this wow kind of feeling. I somehow feel especially close to God when I'm in nature. Why? Because that's the effect when creation declares His greatness. And it reflects that back into the world. And if mountains can do that, scenery can do that, the intricacy of a flower's design, the spider web in its amazing weave, there's something wow about that. Romans 1.20, in creation, the divine has been clearly seen. Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim His handiwork. All of creation worships, and when they connect to that divine and reflect that back into the world, that's worship. One of C.S. Lewis's lesser-known science fiction is the Ransom Trilogy. Book one is called The Silent Planet, Call of the Silent, Out of the Silent Planet, published in 1938. And Earth is called The Silent Planet because it chose to go its own way, not obeying the God, its creator. And because of that, it became cut off from the rest of the universe and became shrouded in sin no longer able to commune and communicate with the rest of the universe because of its fallenness. And it is now silent where these praises and worship no longer come forth. And this was my very <laughs> beginner drawing that I shared in the last bulletin, was kind of me wrestling then with how it all comes together. And if you think about it, there is this shroud of sin that cuts off the glory of God from the rest of the world, the earth. That's how I pictured it. But there are moments when something, someone worships, it breaks through that cloud and allows a sliver of the glory to come through. And then we can reflect it back into the world. There are some activities that we do that may add to the fog, but there are some things that we do that might create an opening. And this can come in the simple action of a loving gesture, an encouraging word, one person to another, where something of God comes through. It can be in the work that we do when we're so engaged in the creating or the producing of something we pour our heart into it, that something of the divine gets captured in the work of our hands and glory is reflected. And of course, when the gathered community comes together, there is almost a larger opening through that fog and shroud of sin that the rest of the world can catch a glimpse of. Worship shines a light into the darkness, reflecting of the glory of God into the world. And that's what all of creation was meant to do.
But when we say connect with God, what do we mean? How do we know if we've truly connected with God? A second idea I'd like to share with us is this whole idea of transcendence and imminence. Big words, but they simply mean that God is otherworldly, altogether different. Anything that we try to compare God to in the created realm falls short because he defies words. It has to be something that's beyond. And we so need a glimpse of that transcendence because life is hard. And if life is all there is, the pain, the suffering, the illness, the daily grind, we need to be able to see there's something more than this. And when we connect with something more, that transcendence. There is a wow kind of feeling. Our eyes are lifted up. That transcendence is an aspect of connecting. But he is not just this God out there, glorious in majesty. He is also this God that is so close. And that's everything we've sung this morning because that's what this season is all about imminence, the closeness of God, that He is right here in our messiness. He's right here in our challenge, our difficulties. He's not distant and too busy upholding all of creation, but He's intimately connected and interested in you. And, and when, when you've got this realization, His felt presence, you know, we know in our heads God is omnipresent, He's everywhere, but there are moments when His felt presence is just so strong and you feel Him with us. That's imminent, that's closeness. And connecting with God, that we have our favorite kind of... Um, parts of God. We love to focus on His unconditional love. We like to focus on His justice maybe, and different ones have different aspects or attributes of God that we connect with more. But I suggest we need to connect with both this idea of His transcendence and beyond, but also at the same time, His closeness where we are. Just a couple of verses that remind us who is like you, Lord, who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, working wonders, transcendence. And therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive, give birth to a son, and you will call him Emmanuel, God with us, imminence, closeness. How do you know, how do I know if I have connected? There is a lovely Puritan word, Puritans like Jonathan Edwards, um, Richard Foster, that whole gang, <laughs> who gave us this word called feeling full. Oh, worship must engage the emotions. And they said emotion alone isn't necessarily spiritual or worship, but true worship and spirituality is always together with emotion. It must capture the feeling. And it's so ironic because the Puritans were the ones we know as the champions of discipline, Richard Foster, celebration of discipline. They tell us all the to-dos in great detail and structure. Do this 
to guard and grow your spiritual life. But all the disciplines was to create this space where the emotion can connect back with God. Worship must be feeling full. Love the Lord with all your heart is the part that must come through. How do you know if you've connected? A sense of wonder, awe, wow. When was the last time you felt that way? When was the last time you had this experience of God that left you awestruck, wonder, amazed, speechless almost? The words of this song captures it so well. You know, beauty and music seems to be so key in helping us connect with God. When I see the beauty of the sunset's glory, amazing artistry across the evening sky, when I feel the mystery of a distant galaxy, it awes and humbles me to be loved by a God so high. That is transcendence. That is a glimpse of the divine. Wow. And when I hear the story of a God of mercy who shared humanity and suffered at our side, by our side, of the cross they nailed you to that could not hold you, and now you're making all things new by the power of your risen life. Wow. That's imminence. What can I do but thank you, praise you, worship? That's what worship has to do. And I wonder, as a point of reflection, what helps you connect to your God? Is it a song? Is there a favorite song that you have when you sing this song, you hear the words somehow? You get a glimpse of the greatness of God or you have a sense of the closeness of God? Is there a place? Is there a favorite spot, a corner of your room, a chair maybe, that you go and sit where you do your prayers and Bible reading and somehow when I sit here, I feel God's presence? Maybe it's the beach that some people have a favorite tree at East Coast. I don't know. Maybe there's a plant in your office that you escape to when it just becomes very trying at work. When I walk there and I stand here for a moment, somehow this is my space where God and I can connect and commune. Is it an activity? Something that you do? You're so engrossed in the work that you have. Maybe it's a piece of handiwork, a handicraft that you're doing, or it's a problem at work that demands all of your experience, skills, expertise, creativity to solve and resolve, and you're in there, it really feels like, hey, this is what God has called me to do. The very famous, the very famous uh, example, Chariots of Fire, Eric Lydell, isn't it? When I run, I feel his pleasure. Is it something else? Maybe just by show of hands, please. How many of us have a favorite song? Yeah? 
Yeah, that when you sing, you just feel so, so connected with God. Thank you. How many of us, it's an activity, something that you do, that you really feel God with you in that activity? A couple of people. Thank you. What about a place? Place? Yeah. So by far, most of us are songs, isn't it? Yeah. Can I ask, I've got the mics prepared in the back, right? Um, I want to invite us to just think about, or maybe before I do that, can you just share with the person next to you? I think we can talk through masks. We're safe enough for that. What helps you feel most connected? to? What is that song and why is that song special to you? Or what is that place? Why is that place special to you? What is the activity? Why does that activity particularly help you connect with God? Can you take 30 to 45 seconds and share the person next to you, please? And then I'm going to come to ask one or two of you. For those at home on Facebook Live, can I invite you to do the same thing? Yeah, type into the chat on Facebook, what is it that helps you connect with God? A song, a place, something else, an activity, and why? Yeah, and... We'll get Anju to read out some of your thoughts and responses as well later on. Because I'd love to hear this from us. Okay, I'm going to ask two people, okay? One from there and one from here. <laughs> okay. Can I ask John? <laughs> John, can, can you bring your mic over there, please? <laughs> John, what helps you connect with God and why? The... Oh, John, John Chu, John Chu, John Chu, behind. <laughs> <laughs> Don't need to stand, right? No, it's okay. okay. So I guess for me, um, the, the surest way for me to get connected to God is to read the scriptures wow. and meditate on it. It's not just reading, I need to meditate on it. And oftentimes I find I'm very blessed by it. Yeah. Thank you. Scripture, why didn't I mention that? Of course I should have put it in there. Thank you. Yeah. Um, three gentlemen, who would like to share? <laughs> I think the, the two are voting Colin, is it? <laughs> or, or Nate? Nate, Nate, Nate. Uh, I, for myself, uh, there's one like, awesome experience is uh, when you're running or cycling in the open and it's raining so heavily. And there's lightning or, like, around you. And it's kind of dangerous, but like, it's a very connected feeling. Because you feel like, this awesome power and then there's nothing in your control yes yeah. and you're and you're totally at the mercy of god yes exactly <laughs> thank you for that yeah thank you anju do you have any answers or thoughts coming on facebook there is not yet oh okay um I don't know, so those at home, you're welcome to please just key in there and maybe we'll come back to that later but you know uh I, I wish we could hear from different ones. And, you know, last time in our youth days campfire, we'd go around, what's your favorite song? What, why you like this song so much? And let's sing it. 
And that sense of sharing, community, and be able to sing together our favorite songs that just help us reconnect with God was such a beautiful expression of worship. I wish that we could do that today. And um, I, I, uh, I um, almost wanted to put the worship team on the spot. I said, can we have some songs that we sing later? But that's a, that's a bit too challenging. So what we've done is we've put a short list of 10 songs up there. And um, Mentimeter, if you are familiar with Mentimeter, please go to www.menti.com. At home, please do this as well. And there's that code up there. I can't see the code from here. Four three eight two six one six nine. Four three eight two six one six nine. Key in that code, and you can you're allowed to choose up to two songs. Okay, what are your favorite songs? Whoa. I think we certainly have one that's pulling ahead. We'll make, you know, from Facebook. Yes. Two sisters share. One is Patricia Ang. She says, each time I repent, every time I repent, every moment I repent. This is an answer to your question. And please answer me when a baby sleeps in my arms. <laughs> Beautiful. One of the things I so love about the Advent Christmas season. So every child that is born reminds us of the promise of that one child. And in the face of every child, you see this promise and hope. Reborn, re-inspired, re thank you. Repentance. The assurance of forgiveness. There's nothing that I can possibly do to earn his favor. And just as I am, <laughs> without one plea, I come. So Alicia, at the end, we'll just do just as I am. <laughs> Thank you. So worship is about connecting and reflecting. We can switch back to the slides, please, Nasi. Thank you. Um, Worship is about connecting and reflecting because all of creation worships and we need to do our part. Connect with what? His greatness, his closeness. How do I know that I've connected? Wonder. Wonder is an emotion that isn't explored very much, but I hope our worship services can inspire wonder that allows us to go out there and do more. But what about reflect? How do we reflect his transcendence and imminence into the world? And thank you, Tun Cheng, for sharing this article with me that talked about this Hebrew word, avoda, which is variously translated work, serve, and worship. 
And you are invited to go and read this on your own. It's very interesting because that same word shows up to say, six days you shall work, avoda. That man goes out to work to his labor until evening, avoda. This is what the Lord says, let my people go that they may worship avoda, me. As for me and my household, we will serve Avoda, the Lord. And what this means is that, sorry, I should have shown that. So what this means is that it is an integrated faith that isn't, I come here, worship, I go out there, I don't worship. Or I step into a worship moment, I step out of it. But everything we do should be worship. That's what humans are created for all of life is meant to reflect our connection to God. Whether it's this hour here, our vocation, our work in our families, in our neighbours. So there is a broad sense of worship of all of life, but there is a narrower sense of what happens here on a Sunday morning. And that sets the tone then for the next question almost of why gather on a Sunday morning <laughs> if, if all we do is, um, if all of life is a worship and we, we, we don't specifically come here to worship because all of life is a worship, what do we do? But before that, I've got to share with you one of my favourite songs. I'm not sure if Sunday school still learned this, but I learned this as a kid. Jesus bids us shine with a pure, clear light, like a little candle burning in the night. In this world of darkness, so we must shine, you in your small corner and I in mine. And when we are doing this, we bring the glory, the transcendence and the imminence of God into all that we do. Jesus bids us shine first for him. And he sees and knows that if our light grows dim, he looks down from heaven to see us shine, you in your small corner and I in mine. Jesus bids us shine then for all around. Many kinds of darkness in this world abound. Sin and want and sorrow, so we must shine, you in your small corner and I in mine. Because this is one of my favorite songs, we're going to sing this later as well. So why do we gather on Sunday morning? Well, the simple answer is to connect and reflect more intensely than we could individually and separately. There is something when the gathered community comes together. I was curious as to what people thought about this, and here are some of your answers in that survey I sent out. Gathering of the body of Christ as one to bring a collective worship unto God. So there's a corporate and personal worship, they're both important. Yes, I agree. It is a special time set aside to focus on God alone. So it becomes a regular practice, a special time, yes. I guess my expectation is like coming for family reunion. What a lovely analogy, I love that. The fellowship and then worshiping God with one voice and hearing God's word. And some really candid answers for which I am totally thankful. To be honest, not much. A few people serving to make God known and many others simply there to enjoy the worship. Hmm. 
and somebody says it shouldn't be limited to Sunday, and really, wh- why do we need to be in church physically? And especially now that we're quite used to online as well. What a great question, and one that we need to think about and address. So here are some thoughts. Church, in some ways, the Sunday service, worship in this narrow sense, is a ritual, it's a habit, it's a tradition. And it has been said, tradition is the living faith of the dead. The good practices of the past that continue to remind us to live well today. Tradition is the living faith of the dead. Traditionalism is the dead faith of the living where we go through the motions and do it because we've always done it, but there's no meaning in it for us personally. And I suppose, says Yaroslav Pelikan, I suppose I should add, it is traditionalism that gives tradition such a bad name. The reality is we probably have a bit of both tradition and traditionalism here in GEFC, which is why the various responses from different people. There are some traditions that some of us love and hold us in faith. And there's some traditionalism where some of us go through and wonder, why are we doing this? It's so meaningless. I'd like to suggest that rituals, habits, traditions, cradle faith. I had the great pleasure of listening to the Bishop Renis Ponaya once, and he was talking about how the Anglican Church is so steeped in tradition, isn't it? Their liturgies, their collects, if you remember those that we used to have in this church some time ago, the Book of Common Prayer, where when you come into church, you almost know exactly what's going to happen because it's all scripted for us. And he was praying at the deathbed of one of the very elderly members of his congregation once, and she was so far into her illness that she was barely lucid. She may hear every third, fourth word that he speaks, but could barely respond to him. And so he sat there by his, her side and prayed for her, and he just started with the first line of one of these scripted prayers. And then he saw her lips twitching, mouthing the rest of the prayer, almost in unconscious rote memory and recollection. And he said something. Liturgy is something like vitamins that you take. You don't magically feel better after one time, but over time, it does something to your soul. It creates something inside you that you feel it when it's absent. So the discipline, the traditions, the rituals that we have every Sunday, may I suggest, cradles faith. Sometimes it feels meaningless, ritualistic, but don't judge it on a single instance. It is a lifetime of these practices that does something to faith that you may not yet realize. And at some point, the effect comes through. Some people ask, you know, why do I have to come to church on Sunday? In the Old Testament, 
The presence of God was located in the temple, the Holy of Holies. You had to go there to experience the presence of God. In the New Testament, the Spirit of God dwells in us. The temple is here. So everywhere I go is temple. Everywhere I go is the presence of God. I can equally be in God's presence, connecting and reflecting, sitting at home via Facebook, as well as here. Absolutely true. So why gather? I think there's something that we miss out when we are not together in one place because there is a gospel community. The gospel is proclaimed in community in ways that we just don't understand sometimes. You know, in the Corinthian church, for all the good things Paul could say about them, their love feast or table of the Lord when they gathered together for communion, and we're going to do this later, was not one of the things that he could commend them for. And he says, whatever else it is that you're eating, it's not the Lord's Supper. Why? Because there are divisions among you. There are fractures in the community. It's a divide between the have and the have-nots, the wealthy and the poor, the, 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 the slave and the free. The, the male and the female, the rich gather together, they eat their fat foods and drink and they get drunk, and the poor who had to work, come late to the meal, have scraps and go hungry. There is something about the eating that communicates transcendence and imminence that Corinthians, you're not doing. And whatever else that you're doing, it's not the, top of the, it's not the table of the Lord. And get this, I received from the Lord that which I also passed on to you, that the Lord on the night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. In verse 26, for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim you proclaim gospel in the eating and drinking, in the meal itself, not the words. Gospel is proclaimed. This can only happen in community. And there's something bigger that happens when we gather on a Sunday morning. So yes, this is not a judgment on those of us who are tuning in from home, so thankful you are there and so happy to see you participating on the Facebook chat as well. And if we can gather together, there is a deeper thing that happens here and we'd love to have everyone back as soon as we possibly can. Yeah. <laughs> Kale will recognize this. Yeah. Um, modeled by my daughter last night when she came home. There's a strength in community, there's a gospel in community that, is, that can only be seen in community. Yes, we can worship individually, but there's a different dimension that happens. You know what? In the Old Testament, the largest or the most frequently talked about sin was idolatry, competing for the rightful place of God. Do you know what's the most frequently talked about sin in the New Testament? Conflict. 
how can we say that the gospel can bridge man and God when it doesn't even show up bridging man and man? It's makes a mockery of the gospel we proclaim if there are divisions among us. And that's something, the strength in the community, the strength in the unity is something that we have to continually work at. I'm running out of time. The word remember, so often talked about, isn't just about a recollection in our minds, but the opposite of remember is not to forget but it comes from an a, a, a architecture or a, or a woodworking craft kind of thing, a member to join together different members. If it breaks, you put it back, you remember. The opposite of which is to dismember or to break up. And remembering is very much what happens when we gather here in this moment. Remember you are connected with God. Remember we are part of each other. Remember that we are family, we are gospel. So what would you like to see going forwards? Some people said, no more online worship. Some people said, let's keep going, online worship, online service. And let's not judge those who choose to stay away for whatever reason. Good point. Some say, more people back in church, the sound of the whole congregation singing together, children running around, hey, that's his family, lunch fellowship afterwards. And some people say, honestly, I find it more incentive to worship from home. Distracted by the babies crying, the couple behind me talking throughout service. I miss the fellowship with believers, though, which I think is important. I'm happy with our current worship. So quite a difference of preferences here, isn't it? From stay online to no more, from home is more conducive to kids running around is part of what makes the worship experience so wonderful. Perhaps it is safe to say what we do going forwards shouldn't be guided by individual preferences. They're just too many, and we certainly cannot please everyone. There is one more very lengthy, my longest single answer. It's so good, I had to produce the whole thing. I don't know who, all anonymous. An intentional focus on togetherness and corporate of exp expression of worship instead of individual. So good. Regardless of whether the audience is present physically or virtually, amen. Because the congregation is participating in spirit as well on the internet. Engage the audience, a focus that is Godward. Thank you for this. And that sums up what I hope we can do to hold in balance and tension all of these things, that spirit. I only selected a few of the 27 responses to share with us, and thank you so much to everyone who did respond. Very candid, thought-provoking, and to assure you, I will forward all of this to Charles and the worship team, and we can think through together what we can do differently in some of these things that are raised. And as I thought about this, then, how to answer this third question, maybe not what's different, but what has been revealed. There have been certain things in our practice and worship in GEFC that's been going on a while, and I think that has been masked by the routine and the habits of coming together week after week, that in the disruption of the pandemic has revealed some of the gaps more than required a certain change. 
And I think we need to think through about what is showing up and how we address them. But to always remember we are a gospel community, first of all. And the gospel community is we need, therefore, to be community builders. The correct word, and don't jump too much, is actually charismatic. A community where gifts of grace, that's what charismatic means, is evident. Because when this grace transcends differences and it's genuine in love, gospel is proclaimed and we're a different kind of community that shows the world out there there's a presence here, there is a transcendence here. And at the same time, there is a imminence here. I like this quotation, God's plan calls for the church to be a microcosm of the cosmic reconciliation which he is bringing to the extent the church grows and expands throughout the world and demonstrates true Christian community. To that extent, the kingdom of God has come on earth. I for, very one, I for one am very much looking to Pastor John's sermon next week on rethinking community. I think we need to figure out how we do this hybrid. Facebook Live in person. Community has to be present somehow because a personal worship is incomplete. The gathered community must also be participatory. It is not a performance. One of the comments, it feels like a few people performing and the rest just enjoying and watching. Even worse now and cannot sing. I love the humming. <laughs> there is, we have to engage and I try in some degree to engage this morning as well by inviting your comments, your responses through the survey, through the chats and so on. But I love this comment by Eugene Peterson talking to a new believer friend of him, his who came to him and said, I, I can't stand hymns. I go to the church, they always sing hymns. Well, must I really sing? He said, well, no, you don't have to like the hymns, but yes, you have to sing them. Hopefully in approximate tune and rhythm with the rest. It's an, ex it's an excellent exercise in humility. And the submission to the worship leader's guidance and direction it's an exercise in humility of submitting to something, someone, a transcendence beyond us. It is not just about personal choices. At home, I have to confess, I feel quite awkward standing up when the host or worship leader invites us to stand. My wife does it better than I do. It's easy to just sit down and go along with it. I, I, I should do better in that. I need to grow in that aspect yeah, on those times where we couldn't come here. But here's an invitation to grow with me in that and ask me. So in summary, what is worship? It is all of life, Avoda. It is about connecting and reflecting our transcendent, imminent God into all of creation. It is feeling full wonder, awe. What do we gather on Sunday mornings for? The fullness of gospel, that reconciliation, that bridging between humanly impossible divides is only seen in gospel, in community. It is participation. It is participatory. I give you this assurance, I give you this promise. The worship team will guard the liturgy 
And we will do our best, worship leaders and hosts, worship team, to ensure that the flow, the plan up here holds to biblical God-honoring traditions, whether they are scripted prayers, responsive readings, or songs. Your part is to give life to the liturgy, to bring your heart into it in response, in singing, not just mouthing the words. That prevents the traditions becoming traditionalism. Grace must also be seen. What's different in the pandemic? It's not different, I don't think, but revealed areas we need to address. Sometimes people feel judged, and this is almost a weakness in strength. Oh, the leaders are so good, they're so committed, I could never do that, and I dare not step up in leadership. Or if I choose a song and there's one funny line in it, somebody's going to criticize me. So I dare not do that. There is a fear of being judged sometimes, a feeling of being judged when some of us attempt to participate in the community life in GFC. That one needs to change. Sometimes I have felt alone in a crowd when I come to church on the Sunday mornings. One incident sticks out in my mind in particular. Family was away, it was about two, three years ago now, and I was preaching. And I came here by myself, I came up and I delivered the sermon, I went back, and I felt nobody to talk to. And I, everybody had their own groupings everywhere, some going for lunch, some very happy to catch up. Who do I talk to? I felt pretty alone. That has to change. There's a connectedness of the gathered community that proclaims that God is here. And we need to think hard about that. So think with me. Pray with us. And this is the start of a conversation. If you have ideas, share them. And let's see what we can do to rethink this narrow sense of worship on a Sunday morning. I'm going to invite the worship team back up, please. Yeah. We're going to sing those two songs. Jesus bids us shine because I like it. It reminds us of connect and reflect. And then we're going to do your chosen one, just as I am.